This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you have some questions that come to mind during this message, you can tweet them or you can text them to the number that appears on the screen. I hope you do have some questions that come to mind because I think we're talking today about one of the most significant uh, subjects that we could possibly address. We're talking about mentoring talking about mentoring relationships. We're talking about the reality that all of us need mentors in life. And we all need to be able to mentor other people. We need to pass on what we're learning and we need to keep learning. We need to be committed to being a lifelong learner. I think today of all the mentors that I've had and how blessed I have and am and continue to be by having mentors in my life. One of the most significant mentors I had early in my ministry was Bill O'Quinn. Bill O'Quinn, Bill O'Quinn was the lead pastor here at Schweitzer from 54 to 66. He led this congregation to this location, built the first chapel, which is now the Fellowship Center. How many of you have Bill O'Quinn as your pastor that's here today? Yeah, several of you. Bill and I met when I was in seminary. He came to see me in the 70s, and I was his associate pastor in the 80s at Platwood United Methodist Church. And some of the things that Bill taught me was, was the importance of casting a vision, the importance of having a sense of direction in ministry and in life and, and going in that direction and not compromising that direction, about the importance of building a team of people around you and how that you were to be loyal to that team and What differences you had, you had it in the clubhouse, you had it in the office, you had it in the locker room, if you will, but out on the field, you're united. He taught me about focus, the importance of having a focus in a ministry and a drive, and and, uh, I guess more than anything, Bill taught me the importance of forthrightness. One of his favorite stories was about a pastor who wasn't particularly forthright, and someone would come to the pastor and they'd say, I believe, Pastor, that's a red car. And the pastor would say, well, yeah, that that is a red car. And somebody else would come along and say, well, no, Pastor, I believe that's a blue car. And the pastor would say, well, you're right, that that is a blue car. And Bill would look at me and he'd say, you know what, Bob, you've got everything you need to succeed in life. You've got all the qualities you need to be a good pastor, but you need a little bit more backbone. So whenever people say to me, I've got backbone, I thank Jesus and I thank Bill. There's many, many things that Bill has said to me years ago that still run through my mind. He was a great mentor. I've got to ask you the question, who are you learning from? Who have you learned from? And who is learning from you? Today we're going to be jumping back into this uh, story about Elijah. Elijah, this prophet that lived 3,000 years ago. And today we're particularly going to be looking at his relationship with Elisha, his protege. Remember, Elijah is forthright. Elijah is one of those guys that he is willing to do what God wants him to do. Elijah is willing to... Be the majority of one. Elijah is, is willing to uh, stick his neck out there. And Elijah also suffers from depression. 
and from a sense of isolation. And it's in the midst of a depressive time that God says to him, I want you to go anoint Elisha. Choose him as your successor. So let's pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 19. So he, that is Elijah, departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him. And as he was with the twelfth, Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him, and he took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Catch the story. Elijah takes his mantle. And the mantle was the sign of the office of the prophet. The the, the mantle was uh, the power and the authority of God. The mantle symbolized a sense of, of sacrifice and commitment. And Elijah just throws the mantle over Elisha. Now, what's Elisha's reaction? Elisha, by the way, is no flunky. He's doing just fine in life. He's leading an operation of 12 yoke of oxen. He's out in the field himself. But Elisha catches the significance of this mantle being thrown over him. And he says, I want to say goodbye to my parents. And Elijah's fine with that. But I love Elijah's question. What have I done to you? It's like Elijah saying, you know, I didn't do a very nice thing to you. Because it's not going to be easy. To succeed me. It's not going to be easy to follow. It's not going to be easy to do what God wants you to do in this world. But Elisha is up to the task. And I love the story how Elisha just burns his bridge, takes the yoke, the equipment, the tools, and burns them, sacrifices the oxen, makes it a public statement, and follows Elijah. In football, you know, when a, a defender is over a receiver and he's, he's hovering and, he, and he's maybe even tugging on his shirt some as he's, uh, there's a saying, uh, that, that player's in my shirt. That's the idea that Elisha is following so close to Elijah that he's in his shirt. There was the statement that uh, when you followed a rabbi in Jewish tradition, uh, that the dust of the rabbi might fall on you. The idea that you are so following so closely and learning so intently that you are picking up the dust from his sandals. We don't know how long Elijah and Elisha were together. A couple years, maybe. Maybe longer. But we do get this sense that Elijah has a protege that's following close behind. 
You know, uh, you can check this out in businesses and churches and organizations and uh, many succession plans. They they look like this, don't they, where there's a, a starting point and the person leaves and there's a gap between and then there's the next person that comes on. But uh, a better picture of what a succession plan could look like is when uh, the two share a time together in life, in business, in ministry, and whatever you're talking about, where there's an intentionality on our part that someone is learning from us, and we're developing the next person or the next generation to follow after us. Who's learning from you? Who's your Elisha? I look at the wisdom and the experience in this room and I'm astounded by all the knowledge and and all that you have to offer. And I think the Scripture is so clear in so many different stories that we're called to pass it on. That we're called to mentor as we continue to learn ourselves. Well, let's continue this story. The day that Elijah is taken up into heaven, uh, the story that Mary has already sung about, as we read further in the Scripture. Now, when the Lord uh, was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilt from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and they said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Sure. <laughs> yes, I know it. Keep, keep quiet. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho, there were about 50 of them, drew near to Elisha and he said said to him again, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And so the two of them went on. To catch that three different times, Elisha is told by Elijah, just stay back. You don't want to experience this. You don't want to see my departure. But Elisha insists on following Elijah to the end. Elisha shows a sense of a persistence about him that's going to be required of a leader. So the 50 men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and he rolled it up and he struck the water and the water was parted to the one side and the other side till the two of them could know, could go over on, on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah says to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. Isn't that a great question? 
for uh, leaders to ask those who are they're leading, uh, for people who are being led in life, uh, for a mentor to say that to someone that they're mentoring, for a supervisor to say that to someone they're supervising. Uh, what do you need from me? How can I be of help to you? What, what a servant leader type of attitude. And Elisha said, please, let me, let me be a double portion of your spirit on me. Now, we think that the double portion means that he wanted twice whatever Elijah had, and that's not what the Scripture means. A portion was one-third of the inheritance. And so when he says, I want a double portion, he wants two-thirds of the inheritance. He, he wants to be the person of God that Elijah is. He, he wants the same spirit that Elijah has. And as they went along and talked, behold, the chariots of fire and the horses of the fire separated, and he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his clothes and tore them into two pieces. And Elijah is taken away. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. The same spirit that was on the prophet Elijah is now on the prophet Elisha. To remind the people that the power wasn't from Elijah in the first place. The power and the spirit was from God. Who are you learning from? Who, who is learning from you? Reggie Joyner talks about in the slow fade that without mentoring relationships, the wonder of God is lost on the next generation. Uh, an identity isn't discovered. In other words, there's so many young people that don't find their identity. And they're certainly not finding their identity in Christ. They're not finding their identity in faith. They're not finding the identity that they could have and they could enjoy without a mentor relationship, without someone that is speaking into their life, that is throwing the mantle over them, that is investing in them. And without the mentoring relationship, we old geezers, I'll put myself in, in that category, we lose the fire in our belly. The passion fades when I'm not pouring myself into the next generation. So without mentoring relationships, the wonder of God is lost. An identity that that person could have in Christ is not discovered. And our passion fades. But when there is mentoring relationships, when mentoring relationships happen, they happen where there's a desire to grow. The person has got to want to grow. They've got to want to learn. They've got to want to, uh, to receive. They've got to be teachable. They've got to be coachable. 
And they've got to have the courage to face obstacles, that life is tough. And, and there's a willingness then to commit and say, let's do it. Who is learning from you? And who are you learning from? Here's the basic idea. If every one of us in this room got excited about having a one-on-one relationship, a mentor relationship with someone else, how would that change our church? How would that change our personal lives? How would that change this community? How would this change the world? I mean, the one-on-one time together. If, if a younger person walked up to you and said, I want to hang out with you, I want to learn from you, I want to grow from you, are you open to that? I bet you are. But are you intentionally seeking it out? What's going to happen if we don't? If you're a person of prayer, who's learning from you on how to pray? If you're having deep relationships with God, who is of the younger next generation that you're inviting to, sh- to hang out with you? If you're a person that visits people that are homebound and you have this compassion and this understanding of how to comfort people who are ill, Who is shadowing you? If you're someone that's delivering the goods in the food pantry, who is of the next generation that's going to follow after you? If you love to sing in the choir and you love traditional worship, who do you invite to sit in the choir with you of a younger generation? Who is learning from you? Who are you pouring yourself into? If all of us got excited and prayerful about who that person could be in our life, it would change us. It would change them. It would change the church. It would change the community. It would change the world. Matt Myers is a guy that... uh, has had a tough past and a great future because he's learned a lot, been forced to by the law, but he's been mentored and he's mentoring others. I sat down with Matt and let's watch and see what Matt has to say to us about mentoring. So we're talking here with Matt Myers about mentoring. Elijah and Elisha had a relationship, a mentoring relationship. Matt, tell us about some mentoring relationships in your life. Well, uh, I have Mark McNelly early on and uh, David Stoker. I've both been two guys who've been through similar stuff to me. They're pretty huge in my uh, mentoring relationships. What was it about those guys that uh, was beneficial to you? Well, they both went through great life change. Uh, they had, both had problems. They worked their way through it. And they, and they managed to su- succeed in their in their life change so 
And they would speak truth to you. They would say stuff to you sometimes that was kind of hard to hear. Yes, more than I'd really like. Yeah, yeah. But you did it anyway, or you always followed, or sometimes you didn't, or what? What does that look like? Well, I've I've came to the conclusion that if I don't want to, I really need to. Um, it's an out of your comfort zone thing. I think in your your spiritual walk and all that. If it's if it's you know pushing you out of where you need to be, that's probably where you need to be. So you had to be accountable to somebody. Is that part of it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So live a. I remember the first time Mark gave me a transparency lecture about Facebook because of a. I haven't always, you know, I have a bit of a past. So some of the things on Facebook weren't great, and he 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 pulled me aside and had a little talk, you know, that you need to think about who you are now. So real life matters, real life stuff. Mm -hmm. And you're mentoring others yourself now. Oh yeah, I work with an organization called Better Life and Recovery, which is deal we deal with uh, people who are in recovery from drug addiction and all all are just life problems, and. Uh, work with some of the younger guys now and uh, it's amazing to see the changes they make how fast and you know it I mean it's, it's the good stuff it makes all that hard time and the work I put into myself worth it so now you're working at Schweitzer you're on staff I am you're one of us I know it's weird <laughs> No, it's awesome. I love it here. It's uh, it's been a great place. I came here a few weeks out of, after I got out of jail, and uh, I'm still coming here. So I don't know that I would be where I'm at today if I hadn't plugged in here. I mean, it's God. God made the life change in my life, but I found Him here. And you were an atheist at the time, but still you kept coming. I still kept coming, and Mark was very patient with that. And uh, I came to a conclusion that if I didn't get baptized and commit, that I would never know if it really worked. So you took the step of faith. You didn't just wait for a lightning bolt. No, I, I took a step. And I, I wasn't sure. And I'd spent a life of being a non-believer and being a believer in me, Matthew. And uh, that didn't work. Kind of ended horribly, actually. So I figured the only way to find out was to do it, and I talked to Mark, and I got baptized, and uh, got involved, and like I said, I work here now, so I've been involved for a while. Awesome. So, yeah. Anything else you want to say to us? If you're ever questioning whether you need to get involved in someone's life, I think you do. If you don't want to, that means you probably do more. And don't go for easy relationships. Don't be afraid of the hard ones that are messy and heartbreaking because you're going to win once in a while, and those wins are awesome. So Matt's a Jobs for Life graduate. Matt's a comedian. Yeah. He's a part-time custodian. He's got a lot of wisdom. He's highly intelligent. He was an atheist and in trouble with the law when he came here. God's calling you to be a mentor. God's calling you to intentionally reach out to somebody else. Beyond your family. 
mentor isn't a hero. It's, and the person being mentored isn't our project. It's amazing what God can do with a real relationship. With someone that cares. That Just come on over to my house. Hang out a while. Let's, or let's go to the driving range. Or what do you like to do? Or let's go to lunch. Or, but where the trust can begin to happen and a relationship grows... And naturally, out of that, there's faith questions. And these things begin to happen and materialize. Because someone took the time to believe in us. Vacation Bible School is a wonderful opportunity for us. There's going to be some mentoring things that occur here. We'll learn from the kids as well as we pour into the kids couple hundred adults and 400 kids and it'll be crazy wonderful crazy jobs for life is a wonderful opportunity where people are champions and they the mentor sits right alongside the student and for eight weeks they grow together in class and they're available in ongoing relationships but the key to all this i think is is um that one-on-one relationship that god puts together that the church doesn't put together for us But here's the vision. Who is learning from you? And who are you learning from? I started this message by talking about uh, Bill O'Quinn as my mentor. And now my mentor is someone that's 30 years younger than me, Brett Cheek. Brett Cheek is the associate pastor at uh, LaCroix United Methodist Church. And Brett Cheek has done a lot of ministry with college students and younger students. And now he's on staff in the church. And he's helping to coach me. And he's helping as a consultant at Schweitzer on how do we reach into the millennial generation. A generation that we have lost as a church. That isn't overly interested in the institutional church. How do we go to them? How do we intentionally reach out to them? How does this happen? So I'm learning from Brett on how we can better do this and how we can raise up millennials themselves as leaders in our congregation to help see that to happen. So that's, that's what I'm doing as an old guy that's been in ministry 40 years, learning from a younger generation. Because sometimes it's reverse mentoring. We all can teach and learn from each other. But this I know. Unless you're continuing to learn, you become a dinosaur in a hurry. And I'm not ready to be extinct yet. How about you? I want to grow And I think I've got something to offer. And I think you've got something to offer. And the most important thing we can offer is Christ. Just in being who we are. In being real. Because you never know. You just never know. When when Elijah is going to pop up on stage... There's a, there's a video. Are we ready to run that? Uh, it's a video about uh, 
Well, this gal, um, America's Got Talent, just popped up on stage. And watch for the different ways that this young gal is a witness to the faith. Hello. Hi. Welcome to our stage. And what is your name? My name's Heavenly Joy Jerkins. That is a beautiful name. Your first name is Heavenly. My aunt calls me Hev. Okay. Yeah. How old are you, Hev? I'm five. I love your outfit, by the way. Thank you. Uh, tell me about yourself. What are you going to be doing today? I'm going to be singing a song and do tap with it. That's hard to do because sometimes you can get out of breath, right, when you're singing? Yeah. Is that going to happen to you? No. No. Good. And, and where did you get this ability at five years old? Do you have a musical family? Since when I was one, I used to sing. Because you've got to start at a young age in this business. You really do. <laughs> now, you know, if you win this whole thing, you get a million dollars. Well, if I get a million dollars, I want them to keep them. I want to get them all over the world because some people don't have any clothes, so I'll give some clothes to them. Aww. Beautiful. Are you raising the right? <laughs> By the way, I'm your favorite judge, aren't I? Mm hmm Yes. Okay. Very smart. All right. I wish you a lot of luck. I hope you win so all those people who don't have money get money, you know? places oh, I'm telling wow. you wow you know when I was uh, a little boy not much older than you if you can imagine that heavenly I used to watch uh, Shirley Temple yeah. in movies on TV I watch that. you watch that too yep you know I think Shirley Temple is living somewhere inside of you is that possible because well not Shirley Temple Jesus there you go how you talking You know, the Howard Stearns in the world can be mentored by a five-year-old girl. And that's where it needs to happen. On stage, in everyday life.
of all ages and all peoples. It's time for the people of faith to rise up. It's time for the people of faith to authentically reach out in loving care and compassion. It's time for the people of faith to speak truth into people's lives and into this world. So take a moment before we sing our closing hymn. Take this card and answer the two questions. Who is learning from you? And who are you learning from? Who's Elijah to you? Who do you need to learn from? Who do you need to ask for help from? And who's Elisha? Who's the person you need to throw your mantle over that the spirit and the knowledge that you have in your life, how are you passing that on to the next generation? Take a moment of just silent reflection and prayer before we sing our closing hymn.